Welcome, it's SB Pod. Along with Stanford Steve, I'm Scott Van Pelt. Super Bowl, halftime show, Phoenix. That's what we got on the ledger. That sound about right? Travel. Let's start with travel. Let's start with our thank yous. Huh? Yeah. Let's start, with, start with some shout outs. Okay. Last week you asked me where was I staying. I just casually mentioned uh, the Pendry in uh, West Hollywood. Well, apparently the folks out there listen to the pod because we arrived on property and they were excited to know that we gave it a shout. That's before I saw it. Brand spanking new. You know I'm an art aficionado. Mm. Great art, great vibe, great scene. Staff's awesome. Uh, if you're in West Hollywood, check it out. The Pendry. Uh, we stayed there and enjoyed it immensely. Um, shout to the Wheels Up family. I'm oh. not. I'm not super over the top about stuff. I uh, that's a company I'm proud to partner with, and I just would say of them, they do things correctly, very correctly, correctly, properly. Friday Proper. night, Friday night dinner at Rayos. Oh. I mean, shout to the Rayos family. Those, those speaking about doing it properly. Oh my word! You, me, and Rosillo sit down. They're bringing out plates of food, and if you can. Get a table at Rayo's, which is that's a chore, but it's mm-hmm. worth it's worth it. The, totally. the, the, the food's fantastic. I'm gonna keep going, Steve. Shout to the 900 Club or whatever yeah. it is, whatever it is in Manhattan Beach. What a fun vibe that was! Very good, very good. Um, Appreciate got, the folks looking after us there. Got there a little later, so I think if people people got a head start on us. Couldn't um, we couldn't catch them. No. We could, although you tried. <laughs> thanks to Big Cat for coming and mingling with the the lesser thans. Uh, with we had that, and thanks to some Division One coaching people. Yeah. I'll just I'll just put it. There's people that live in the neighborhood that that came down. What a just it was for me. Twenty four hours in Los Angeles, and it couldn't have been better. No. Great great lodging at the Pendry. Great meal with Rayos. I don't want to name drop, but me and Herbie had a little. Little breakfast chat in the morning with a little guy named Joe Montana, who, by the way, is a freaking legend. And when he would try, try to get him going on stuff, and he's like, "Well, you know, we scored a couple of touchdowns." Like, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't just score a couple of touchdowns like I like I put on my shoes and a belt. Like you did that. Incredibly gracious and humble for for a guy who could just, you know, be a over the top obnoxious for for his accomplishments. So uh, anyway, that that. People right now listening are like, wait, you don't stay for the game? No. No. The, no. Veter- the veterans leave Saturday. Spent a lot of time ex- explaining that. Uh, some folks at the airport were very uh, confused after they noticed me, and then they saw me Saturday night, and they're looking at their watch, and they're like, wait, what? what's going on? I'm like, got to go. Show's tomorrow, and it's not here because – the veterans leave town before the game. You I will see, just you say see, that. You see folks in the airport, they're coming in, you're going out, and they say, you're going the wrong way. And I say, no, 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 you are. <laughs> but have fun here at the airport on Monday Oof. with a bunch of boozed up, depressed, even if they won, although in this case, nobody would be leaving, I guess. Although maybe some Rams fans going home. Anyway, we uh, got in, we got out, we saw some folks. Cross paths with some friends, reacquainted uh, some friendships. Nothing's particularly close in Los Angeles. Um, no, I figured you were going to struggle with that because you're not um, patient. Say that, yeah. Uh, you don't adapt well. No, I'll no. just say that. I'll just you, <laughs> adaptation not a strength of yours. No, and no. it's really, really hard for you to let go and let the other people take the reins. And that's what happened Friday night. No, no, no. Hold it on. turned out to be very that, fun. No doubt. But that's not the problem. The problem was not that I was, I was wherever Rosillo said we were going, we're going, he's local. We're fine. Yep. I just thought, <laughs> I thought where we were in Hollywood or what I think I was in, is that, was, were we in West Hollywood? Is that yeah. where the rails is? Yeah. I know Manhattan Beach isn't next to it, but I, we were on the highway and for a while. Like I thought we could, I don't know, where are we? We're going to be in Scottsdale, Vegas, El Segundo. Like, where are we going? Big Cat sent me a text. He said, he's from the front seat, are they kidnapped? Are we being kidnapped? I mean, I, I didn't know. It just took a while. 
And then it's very late. I had an early morning call and I had to, I didn't want to pull the ripcord. I wanted to stay, but yeah. I thought by the time the car gets me back home, it, it could be four in the morning. Mm. Nothing's particularly close out there. It's, it's lots and lots of cool little neighborhoods and enclaves that are connected by a bunch like of highways. Three roads. Right? Yeah. There you go. But it was a blast, wasn't it? Oh, so much fun. Um, I, I, I've told the story a bunch when I was out there, Scott, but like, when I'm in college, it's late 90s, and when we would go down south, you know, I had a friend that had a place like way farther south, like Capistrano Beach, and in the late 90s, Newport Beach was the spot, and it'd be like, hey, you know, maybe we should go up to Newport Beach, check out the vibe, and it, we drove up there, and we're like, all right, do you have $10 for a beer? Because I don't have a dollar. Let's go back to the house and sit on the beach. So I had never even experienced Manhattan Beach in my in my time in California, and now boy is that spot. I would I, it's premium. It Be is good. as good as there is, and uh, the people there are awesome. Restaurants um, got to have a couple meals with Rosillo, and um, it's just tremendous out there. So thank you to everybody that got us in, got us out. It was uh, it was absolutely tremendous. It was that. Then we were home in time for the game. And the game, it felt kind of weird, right? It felt kind of disjointed mm -hmm. to me um, in this sense. It felt like some big plays, yes, Odell Beckham Jr. getting injured clearly impacted the Rams. They were stubbornly trying to run the ball. I don't know why. Give the Bengals defense a bunch of credit because it looked like they might blanked the Rams for this second half outside of a field goal until one drive. And, and it's a drive that changes the way people look at you and it becomes, yeah. you become a forever team and a forever player. Maybe if you're Stafford or cup or Donald, uh, but credit to the Rams defense as well, because the first play of the second half is a bomb to Higgins and Rams fans will say, yeah, it was, well, they missed it. They missed something there on, on yeah. Higgins. Yes, they did. Mm -hmm. And then the next play is a pick and, at that point, if the Rams defense doesn't hold them to a touchdown, to a field goal, I beg your pardon, and keep it a one-score game, who knows? Who knows where things go? But after they get that stop, no one does anything for basically until the last drive the Rams had. Mm -hmm. and, and so there was, it just, it was weird. The Rams had great field position, couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. Again, I'm like, what's McVeigh doing? And then push comes to shove, and it, I don't know if it was a conscious effort where staff's just like, it, I'm throwing it to 10. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they, they went for it on third and uh, fourth and goal, rather, from their own 30-yard line, which was gutsy. And they, you run a jet sweep, you'd know better than I would having played tight end, but that's the kind of play that can get blown up in a hurry. Mm -hmm. But they gave it to their best player, and then he's the guy that ends up scoring in the end. I don't know. I, it just – a lot of it felt weird. felt like it was it was just – jumpy or something yeah well a couple things watching it back today and it's it's i didn't i made a point not to go on social media the whole game i didn't want i didn't care what anyone was saying i wanted to watch it and i knew i was going to watch it back today when you say i don't know why he's running the ball because it's not working watching it back he has to he has to try and keep the defense out of a mindset where they could pass rush every play. Okay. So, and I think both coaches got caught in that game plan because look at the talent and look at the strength of both defenses, right? Pass rushers. They got them across the board. Cincinnati, you got Hubbard, you got Hendrickson, and, and Reader's a good player. And on the other side, you know, you got 99, you got 40, you got Gaines, you got Floyd. And you, you couldn't give in to try and chuck the ball every play that early. It's a one-score game. And anywhere you can just try and catch them off balance or keep them with your guys and knowing that they're going to run block and being forward, I think that was good. They were trying to help them. And the other thing that was really humbling watching it back is we knew Higby was out um, and even Uzama wasn't 100%. The tight ends got rolled in the run game. The, the, there were runs there. And the way the Rams run, like wide zone, the tight ends on the backside, they just couldn't get there. I mean, Von Miller and Floyd especially uh, were just sensational. On the other side, I thought Sam Hubbard, even though he, he didn't have a big stat line, um, he was all over the place. And that's what happens. The guys on the backside make those zones happen. 
And that's that that's why it looked weird because it was stubborn and they didn't want to give it up, knowing it was still a one possession game. So they were going to try and keep it one possession. All of what you say makes sense. The the issue becomes you're trying to keep them honest. Mm-hmm. And we know that they loved so much is based predicated on play action and whatever else. But when you can't get first downs, mm-hmm. then you you're wasting downs and you only get three you're getting three shots at it. You're wasting one of them. So now you're needing to get 10 yards or nine or eight on, on the two downs that you've got. And if you're incomplete on third and six or whatever it is, well, now you're punted back. And it was sort of, I mean, the, a solid that was, chunk. That, that was the key to jump you. They weren't giving up first downs either. That's, you know what I'm saying is they're not, they're only going three and out, but they're also, their defense is going three and out too. So that's where the stubbornness comes in, and that's where the belief and trust comes in your defense, and you saw that in the fourth quarter. Right. So in the end of this kind of back and forth, stop, start, no one can get a first down game. It's, what, six minutes on the clock, and you got to score a touchdown because you missed an extra point earlier in the game. Field goal won't do. And Stafford and Cup go the length of the field. I mean, I, I don't know that we're not good right now in the moment, Steve, of just taking what we just saw and just taking it for that. I, so much conversation I felt like on all the different shows today was Stafford being a Hall of Famer, which is either he absolutely is or he's absolutely not. And I just don't understand why we can't say, hey, a dude who finally got a chance to play with a good team just won the Super Bowl, and that's that. Yeah. Um, my, my take, Scott, is being a guy that lost in the biggest game of his career, I always think about the loser of the game. Uh-huh. And I know you we've, you know, always had, you know, deals on the show or we're a post-game show and you say, "Hey, let's let's focus on on the winner of the game." But to me, this deal run season for the Bengals is is an all-timer and when you think about it and you think like there was a point right there in the third quarter where I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I don't know if the Rams have enough to overcome this deficit, even though it's only one score because they lost their guy Beckham, who was the ultimate in, in creating separation. And that was their matchup that they were going to go to. And I, I really thought the Bengals were going to win. And then it flips and now they're now they lose. And I just think about, I mean, the ultimate comparison uh, for never getting back is obviously Dan Marino. But, man, like when you look at the Bengals and you look at the opportunity they had and just think about the AFC, um, it's, it's, it's tough, really, really tough uh, for me to try and put myself in, in Bengals fans and players and coaches' heads today knowing, knowing how close it was because – when they're going to go back and watch it, they didn't play well enough to win, but they still could have won uh, because at some points their defense kept them in the game. And uh, it's a t- really, really tough one to swallow. I hear you, and I understand exactly what you're saying because for the balance of the second half, which was so strange, it's it's mm. the first play. The first play to Higgins, bang, you're ahead. Then you get a pick. Now you get a field goal, and you're up a touchdown and then you're up four and your defense continues to keep you right there, right there. Yeah. And now you're looking at the clock thinking if we could just get a couple of first downs, but they just, they couldn't because that Rams, that Rams front uh, in the end, after the touchdown, Donald's just, he was, he was as advertised. He was the best, best player on the field. And that, that led to a lot of MVP conversation. They always tend to go. They always tend to go offensive, offensive player and cup, who, who closes out an historic season where he was the offensive player of the year, the NFL, uh, the Super Bowl MVP, and won a receiving triple crown. This was an amazing statistic to me, Steve. The only other receiver in the history of the game to have all of those accolades in a career is Jerry Rice. And Cooper Cup did all of them in one season. And so I think offense almost always wins the day when it comes to those awards. No had, they, had they said 99 gets it, I would have thought entirely appropriate. If I had a vote, I would have voted Donald. Watching the game back, um, it was it, it was Donald. Um, seeing what he did, and that's the problem is is the ruckus that he causes. There's no stat line for it, but in the end, you saw it. And 
to the people that say not a great game, anticlimactic, I call you have the best player in the game hurrying the biggest story in the game this year in Burrow, and yep. it's mano a mano on the last play for them to try and advance it. And I, I, it was, it was as good as it gets uh, when you when you consider what was at stake in the moment. Yeah, and you make the great point about the Bengals, and this this isn't meant to be a downer. It's just the reality. I mean, you have Allen who's going to get there. You have Mahomes who's going to make it hard for Allen to get there. You have Herbert who's going to make it hard for Allen and Mahomes to get there. And you have whoever else might evolve and might step forward over time. And Lewis Riddick told us on SportsCenter, it makes sense. You got to build from the out, from the inside out and yep. from front to back. And the their offense is built the reverse. They need mm-hmm. to get better up front clearly. I mean, 16 sacks in two games, nine against Tennessee, seven in this one. And Burrow's running for his life. And still, I, I saw an angle with, with Pirine where you realize that that, that desperation fling yep. on fourth down had, a, had as much of a chance as any human could have given at, yes. from the quarterback position with Donald draped around him. It just, I mean, didn't happen. And then that, that, that I don't, anticlimactic, I disagree with. I just think, again, for a game where no one could get a first down for such a solid chunk of the third and fourth quarters, it comes down to one 16, 15-play drive and then one stop and it's over. That, that just, it felt like it was abrupt. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just it, The ending was so abrupt. And look, in the end of it all, I, I, just, I have no appetite for the Stafford Hall of Fame conversation. And, and the, the thing about knowing Matt, as if you talk to him, he'd give you that McConaughey laugh and smile and go, man, I'll, I'll just keep playing. We'll figure it out when it's done. Because I <laughs> promise you, I'll promise you, he doesn't care no. about your conversation about whether he's absolutely in or absolutely not. He doesn't care. Because he got out of a city he gave everything he could to in Detroit, played hurt, earned the respect and admiration of everyone in the league, which was why he was so coveted. And I'm psyched for him that he had an opportunity to show what he could be and, and got the chip. And whether he is a gold jacket guy in the end or not, he's a Lombardi guy now and, and showed you uh, the difference he could make. And I feel good for Odell Beckham Jr. too. I, the end in Cleveland felt, felt icky to me. I mean, getting mm-hmm. your pop involved on Instagram and calling out Baker. I mean, none, none of that feels great. And he said as much. Like He regrets how it ended. But it was a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And before he goes down, you're seeing everything that people thought he could be in New York. And frankly, a whole hell of a lot more because he was on the Super Bowl stage. Yep. And he was he he had that look on both the touchdown catch and then on that big cross across the middle, like a guy that might have been the MVP when it was done. And so it's it's crushing for him to, to see an injury. But um, as, as disappointing as, as I'm with you on as it relates to the Bengals, their fan base, Burrow, uh, and nothing's guaranteed for the path back. There, there's plenty of stories on that L.A. side that I think are, are to be celebrated. No doubt. Agree on all fronts. Where are we on halftime? I feel like that's... I still haven't seen a second of it. Oh, you didn't watch? Nope. I, uh, I, I went downstairs... To the uh, buffet? To the buffet. Yeah. Grabbed a bite. Talked to some people. Um, was checking out some second half... Uh, lines and stuff, and I just said, you know, it's something that I'll, I'll, I'll watch, uh, you know, another day when we don't have football or something. Um, so, I I watched it. I enjoyed it. I um I thought the the scene that the 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 aesthetic of what they created with the grid of L A. because L A. has such a a distinctive footprint from the mm-hmm. air, uh, and they they did an amazing job with that. And I enjoyed it. And I I tweeted out a picture of Prince because Prince in Miami in the rain. That's is, like your favorite thing ever. You're right. You can and I I every year I'm reminded of how great I thought it was. There's an amazing story that the ringer did that that takes you through all of how it came off. I just I find it fascinating because I think he's one of he's an enigmatic person. He was just such a so out there and had this mystical quality about who he was uh, 
and also I happen to really enjoy the guy's music. Anyway, I just tweeted out the Prince picture and it turns into this people yelling at me. Well, not, you know how good Twitter goes. Of course. It's just the thing I got the biggest kick out of was like, okay, boomer. And like, tell me you're old without telling me you're old. And it's like, wait a second. Do you know that Dre is 56? Do you know that Snoop's 50? You know, Mary J's 51. You know, Eminem's 49. You know, 50's like 46. The only young performer on the stage was Kendrick. And you said this is like generational. This music's my generation a hell of a lot more than it's yours if you're young. Unless, like, what are you, a 20-something-year-old? The, the, like, Doggy Style came out in 93. What the f- are you talking about? If you listen to this music, you, you're in diapers. So I'm not, a, I'm not the old guy. They're the same age as me. Well, well, how does this become a generational thing? And by the way, we're talking about a halftime show. If you thought it was better, I don't care. It was, I enjoyed it too. I liked it a lot. I just always think that if you, if you got to rank it though, you got to rank it. Of course, because that's what we're we're in the business of doing. And I say, give me Prince playing Purple Rain in the rain with the Florida A&M band. And that's my winner. But if you want to tell me you like the other better, that's fine. I don't care. Also, it's not your generation's music anymore than it's it's mine. Like we listened to all the hits that they were playing when we were younger people. Mm. I just find it really interesting how that became sort of like, well, no, this is our generation. How old are you? Some guy told me I'm 35. Oh, how old were you when the Chronic came out? <laughs> how old are you? How old are you when Real Love came out? Like, what what are we talking about? It's just this just shows that people, and I'm part of people. Are, are will argue over anything, and I'm not. I'm not here to argue. I I just wanted to tweet out Prince's picture. Y'all ready to sing tonight? Man, that was awesome. Um, that's all we got, I guess. Yeah. On this, the other Super Bowl this weekend <laughs> was in Phoenix. <laughs> How good was that scene? I uh, I made it a point Saturday. Had a little downtime, couple hours, and I just had to get somewhere. And I just wanted to watch the golf and it was as good, you know, what it's super Saturday. That, that, that's what they coined it at the, at the so, way. Yeah, they, they've never, they've never like officially branded that, but they should because Saturday is the day that everybody out there shout to the Thunderbirds. That's a local charitable organization that raises tons of money for oh. the community and, and organizes the whole thing. Um, like they, they, they're all about Saturday. Like that's their big day. And they have well over 200,000 people on the golf course. That's think about, think about what I'm saying. I want to know how many people were at the bird's nest after. Because that of them. looked insane. All of them. Which means I saw Sam Ryder made the, the, the hole in one, and he said something like, drinks on me. Buddy, if you had the tab at the, at the bird's nest on Saturday night, that's no an eight-figure eight tab. You, you can't win enough money playing this week or all year <laughs> to cover that bar tab. It was It was – one of those things that felt like a, a, a thing, not mm. just for in the golf space, right? It felt like a sports thing that that everyone was kind of aware of. And then when when the hole in one gets made, and then another hole in one gets made on Sunday, uh, and then the man who's going to be our guest, and and Harry Higgs, aka the Big Rig, and his playing partner Joel Damon, when they decided they'd go shirts off, you know, for pars, <laughs> you know, it's just. Things, things were amped up to, to, to a next level. Good point. Before we move on. That get your attention? Cool. There's two more things I want to mention. Check out First Draft with Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates every Monday and Thursday. Guys keeping tabs on the NFL Draft. You can listen to First Draft wherever you get your podcasts or watch the show on YouTube. And watch NBA Today, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app. Or listen to the show as a podcast. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. 
As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Super Bowl is one thing, Steve. Yep. Phoenix is another. <laughs> the waste management Phoenix Open People's is open. It's bro. I've been there. You've been there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like it. This year was different. And I checked sources. Top 10 player in the world, Justin Thomas, who had a nice little Sunday finish, got to the top 10. I said, am I nuts or was this the, like something different? He said, 10,000% more this year than ever before. Biggest party ever. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a historic moment on the pod. Harry Higgs, a.k.a. the Big Rig, makes his debut. Welcome, sir. Thank you guys very much. I think it's been uh, long overdue, and uh, I'm certainly happy to be here. We're honored. Uh, let's just give people the backstory. Uh, Steve, it goes back to the Safeway, doesn't it? We mm-hmm. were watching the Safeway Open, a fall event a couple years ago, and uh, there's a guy out there, shirt's kind of unbuttoned, and he's going, he's getting after stuff. He's not afraid. And Steve says, like the cut of that guy's jib right there. And we, you dubbed him the big rig, didn't you? I did. I did. I know there's been some talk about the conversation and the nickname, but uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm firm on the big rig. Look, big beautifuls out there. And we, we're not making anybody choose. We just call you the big rig. And last year when I talked to you at Kiowa, I wanted to make sure, for all I knew, you wanted to punch me in the face. Be like, hey, you bald <laughs> and Enough. <laughs> But thankfully, we we you were, you were, we were on board, and that which was a blast. We had a fun conversation down there, didn't we? Yeah, no, I mean I get it quite often. Which one would you rather be called? Yeah. Uh, big, beautiful, big rig, all this stuff. And the answer is always the same. Uh, it's a very simple answer. I have been called much worse. <laughs> uh, so either one of these things is way good with me. I, I quite enjoy it. It's obviously. It's turned into and is continuing to just be more and more of a thing. Uh, and I would say when I'm out there playing golf and everybody's screaming and yelling, it's it's 50-50. It's right down the middle, big, beautiful, or big rig. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if we make a push for one or the other. No, but, uh, no, 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 no. Don't make I'm people. With I, either one. I'm not here to make anybody choose. I just want people to understand. But I, <laughs> I got to say this. When you're playing last year at Kiowa at the PGA Championship, there are some people that will remember will remember that week as Phil Mickelson, the oldest to win a major, and that's fine. Sure. Others will remember the big rig making a bomb on eighteen, and I'm on the mic, and I get to scream, "Go ahead, big rig!" And I'm like, I'm broadcasting a major, and that's what I'm yelling. And you played your ass off and finished top, tied for top, uh, tied for fourth, which. The, like you're not, uh, we're not doing this to, to heckle you. We're doing it because we just we we love the approach that you're. The, you just are here to play good golf and have a good time and enjoy life. But how does how did that week? How does that week maybe kind of change? I don't know what you think about what you can be. Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, I had struggled leading into that week. I think I maybe missed two or three cuts in a row. Uh, whatever it was, it wasn't great golf. And honestly, like it wasn't that great all throughout the week, but I just kind of got into, uh, as we call it, kind of mother mode and was just like, you know what, I'm the golf course is hard. There's places you can't hit it. I'm just not going to hit it there, and I'm going to figure it out. And I pretty much did that for 72 holes. Um, there was I made one mistake that week. It was my second hole of the entire week. I played a shot I shouldn't have and made – made bogey and I was like okay well and then you know when you decide to get into that mode it almost takes one try to you know to take you out of it I was like no we're sticking to what I was going to do and I had a great week um you know my my brother's also my caddy and I the the part I took away from it is like hey we're we're good enough to win a major obviously and I thought the the coolest part of my entire year last year uh so including the PGA was I remember driving in the fairway on 16 a par five we had a bit of a wait for the green to clear and I like the coolest, proudest moment so far, probably so far in my golf career until I win one of these things, uh, was I got to turn to my brother as we were waiting for the green to clear. And I said, Al, 
we're going to be right in between five and six, five and six iron, you know, second shot into this par five. We need to choose the club that gives us the best chance at making three because we have a chance to win this golf tournament. And that's just like, you know, little things like that. Yeah, like That will stick with me forever. Uh, I chose six iron, hit a decent shot that ended up just a little left. It didn't get it up and down for birdie and obviously didn't wind up winning the major. Um, but just that little moment right there will stick with me forever. And then also that, you know, the biggest takeaway is that I'm good enough to win major championships. Um, you know, I've made a steady progression in my now pretty long professional career. Um, and you believe in yourself more and more after good results. This is a results-based business, obviously. And right. that's something I can always hang my hat on. It, and more so in the light that, like, hey, man, I didn't even really have, like, all my bullets, and I was still able to have a chance to win a golf tournament. I got to say out loud, like, hey, man, we need to make a decision here as if we were going to win this tournament. That's awesome. Um, so that's cool. And, I, you know, I've, golf is fickle, and it's back and forth, and I've struggled at times since, and I've had good weeks since. So, you know, but I'll always harp back on that. Like, hey, when, when my gun isn't fully loaded, I'm still able to win the biggest of biggest tournaments. Which is awesome, and that's a hell of a story, and it was a great week. And um, I just want to know, Harry, who, who made the call to, to take your shirt off on the 16th hole yesterday oh, in Phoenix? God. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's more of a story to this than, than you would think. It's not, it wasn't necessarily just a spur-of-the-moment kind of thing. Um, I got paired on Saturday with Keith Mitchell, who's a good friend. A legend um, as well. A legend, yeah, Cashmere Keith. That's him. And <laughs> so where he, we get, you know, you get the text message the night before about who you're with, and, and her, our names are right next to each other on the leaderboard. So I figured, you know, there's a good chance. Boom, text message comes in. I'm with Keith. Okay, great. He immediately sends me a text. What are we going to do on 16? And he said, "What are we going to do? Not right. what are you going to do? What are we going to do?" And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, let's just go make a hole in one and set the place on fire, something like that. So, and that was that. You know, I had we were we weren't staying together. We stayed together many weeks. Um, he's a good friend, and we weren't staying together. Nothing. I get there in the morning. He and I both have the same uh, the same uh, trainer. So I get in and get warmed up first, and Keith comes in after, and I leave and go put my shoes on and go out to hit some putts and. You know, 20, 30 minutes later, Keith comes out and he immediately walks right to me and is like, hey, man, there were a bunch of guys, you know, in the little training room that we use. Uh, you know, I floated the idea that you take your shirt off and we'll get a bunch of money together, you know, to either pay your fine or pay you to do it. It pots up to eight grand. And I'm just like, what What the hell happened? I mean, how are we talking about me, my shirt coming off, man? I thought we were just going to, like, have a nice, friendly day and and – now all of a sudden, like, hey, you got to show you got you got to take a shirt off in front of you know fifty thousand people, and then you know Saturday waste management it's in front of ten million plus eyeballs. I mean, it's the craziest day of our year. It's the craziest day of golf. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not doing that, man. I do not. And I'm thinking, like, I take my shirt off on 16, and then I go out and win this year's Masters. I'm still <laughs> gonna get yelled at for being the guy that took his damn shirt off, dude. I do not want to do that. And I wound up having not a great Saturday and it was like, no, nah, I'm way out way. Out. And he was still harping on me. Like I'll double it. I'll we'll make it 16 grand. Like, dude, that's not enough. I'm, I'm going to be the one that has to hear all these people yelling. This shit at me. I do not want to do it. So I get through 16 and I don't remember where I think I had a putt for birdie and missed and, and finished the round. No shirt came off and I fall down to, close to last place heading into Sunday. And it's like, you know, that's a tough spot to be because you can certainly pack it in, especially that week. And it's just a long week. It's exhausting. It takes a lot of effort and energy. It's like a major. So I'm kind of, you know, you're always floating on this Sunday's last place. Like, am I going to really try to focus and get something out of this, you know, that I can take into next week? Or am I just going to basically have like a rest day, go out there and swing and just keep scoring and sign it and leave? Well, the text message comes through, and now I'm paired with Joel, and I'm just paired with Joel. We were playing in a twosome. Saturday, I had Keith and, God, I can't remember who else, but we had three. Sorry to whomever, if you're listening. I forgot who you were. Uh, no big deal. But the, 
the text comes through on on Sunday. I'm just paired with Joel. We are second to last off ten, so we're going to get to sixteen at like twelve thirty. And Sunday is Sunday after that. Saturday is is shockingly tame. Well, this year it wasn't. Nothing about the week from Tuesday on was tame. <laughs> and Joel goes the opposite route. He doesn't text me and ask me what are we going to do. He just tweets it. You know. And he, and he was a little surgical in his uh, tweet. He just said, if this gets enough retweets, Harry will take his shirt off. Well, we never said how many retweets it was going to be. It could have been a million. I wasn't going to do it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be the guy that does that. No, 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 no. Well, we tee off on 10. I hit it in the fairway, and it's already starting. Somebody's yelling, did you get enough retweets? Get up to the green. Are you going to pop the top? Get to 11 <laughs> T. Same I mean, it's literally every time I stop at my ball, somebody is yelling, are you going to take your shirt off? Are you going to take your shirt off? Are you going to, did we get enough retweets? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And I kept telling everybody no. And then I told them a couple folks like, hey, man, these, these cheap millionaires wouldn't raise enough money for me to do it. 16 grand is just not going to move the needle for me. I'm sorry. It, five years ago, I would have ran around naked for 16 grand, but that's just not enough now. <laughs> And that's not a little bit of money, but it's just not enough. (laughs) Well, we we keep going and we keep going and I'm having a, I think I made one birdie before we get to 16. And then, you know, I hit it, I hit it, I hit a nice shot with an eight iron on 16 and it, it goes so damn far in that hole and it bounced over the green and I get booed and Joel hit a good one and they're about 15 feet. He gets a cheer and then it just started everybody in there. Take it off, take it off. We want skin. Show me the belly. Take it off. Take it off. Take it off. And I'm I'm flipping Joel off at this point, like because they all know that he's the impetus of it. And if yep. Keith was right there, I'd flip him off too because he had a hand in it. Um, and I get back over behind the green, and I, I didn't have a great line. I didn't want to duff a chip in front of all these people, so I grab my putter and hit it too hard, and it goes to ten feet. I get booed again, and then. They kind of quiet down as Joel hits it. Joel left a 15-footer short right in the middle of the hole, and I just – I don't even know if I flipped him off again there, but I was booing him. I was – you know, everybody boo him louder. That's – you can't leave that putt short. And I still had no thought, desire, anything about taking my shirt off. None. And I put my ball down, and I get behind it to read it, and then I – you know, I'm walking into it. And it's just getting louder and louder. And I'm hitting my putt like 10 feet for par. I'm hitting my putt. And they're chanting as loud as they can, take it off, take it off, take it off. And I'm just over it. And it kind of like in the back of my mind, it's like, well, I guess if I make this, I might as well just do it. And sure enough, I hit it. And I kind of looked up and I was like, well, that's in. And everything was moving in slow motion. It had like two feet to go. I knew it was in. So, I mean, it's literally a second. I had a second to decide. Ball drops in the hole, and I lift my shirt up, and then pandemonium. Mayhem. I mean, Mayhem. Mayhem. Immediately, beers are flying. I mean, they're cheering. They're throwing beers for pars. We both made par. Neither one of us really played the hole that well, and they're throwing beers. And then, to Joel's credit, he is one of my best friends in the world, and he is a great man. I go up and get my ball out of the hole, and as I'm walking, you know, turn around and see him, he's already got his shirt off, lassoing it around his head, like, get it going even more. So Petey then they Pablo. get louder. He went Petey Pablo. They, oh, yeah, baby. They get louder, and more beer start flying down. And then just, I mean, just pandemonium ensues, you know? I mean, it was just, it was bad crazy. And we made par. Like, we didn't do anything well on the hole. We just showed skin and they loved it and you know since then i certainly maybe agree with any potential punishment that's coming um because it like that's just a little too much but it was it was obviously well received i mean i'm talking to you guys there's everybody's posting and talking about it and it you know as as over the top as it may have been it was a good thing for, 
our exposure, both Joel and I and the tour in general, that like, yeah, I mean, even the guys that you think are just so businesslike and so locked in all the time, they're actually normal people and they have fun doing this. They may not show it and they may not show it on the, on the PJ tour, but like we have fun doing this and yeah, sure. We took it a little too far and showed some skin, but like we're all normal dudes. We're just really good at what we do and we work really hard at what we do. Um, but it's okay to be normal and have fun and be reminded that like, yeah, this game is actually supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be where, you know, no one can get into it. No one can play like, yeah, if you look like me, you can play high level golf. Um, and that, you know, that takes 20 plus years of work. So, you know, if you're a little, you know, if you're in your thirties or forties, maybe you set your expectations a little lower, but it, it, it was a lot of fun. It was probably just a little over the top. Um, you know, getting egged on peer pressure. It's amazing. I, again, I kept saying, it's amazing what you'll do when people start chanting your name. It is truly incredible. I probably need to rein it in just a little bit now for the rest of this year and probably the rest of my career. I mean, I think it's safe to say that'll be the last time anybody sees any uh, of my chest hair on national television. But, you know, you never know. The 16th hole at Scottsdale is bad crazy. I will say this. Did you technically, you didn't take your shirt no, off, though. No. You didn't take Thank it off. Thank you for riding with me. Yes. No, I flashed everybody. Thank Joel you. straight up took his shirt exactly. off. Exactly. He, he's the one that straight took up. it off. Jo- you didn't Joel, take it off. Joel Damon's shirt was off entirely, and he, Petey Pablo, he sw- <laughs> yes. waved over his head like a helicopter. I couldn't yes. believe it. And, Harry, I feel bad because, and, and I'm sure you weren't paying attention to the, all, the volume of the tweets, but I, I did the worst thing you can do, which is what we all do to our buddies when we want to nudge him. I said, you won't do it. And, and yeah. then you, and oh, then you, of course I did it. Yeah. And, then you, and then you did it, and I'm like, oh, God. And I'm not saying you did it. I know it was the people there. But, man, the people there, and, again, I've been there, and if you haven't seen it, and, Steve, you've seen it. Like, yeah. And when, when we were out there for the Super Bowl, and next year's Super Bowl and, yep. and, oh, and this baby. event are the same yeah. week, which is, I can't even imagine. But when, when it was over, Steve was just like, bro, is this what it's like? I said, no, here, this is what it's like here. Just there. But, just but, there. But, Rick. Just there on that, on, on, on Saturday. Three holes. And, but, and, there and, on but, three holes. Right. And you get out sa- to number one when you make the turn. And the only people there that are watching is my mom and my girlfriend. <laughs> like, it was three holes ago. I was trying to hit a shot while shaking in front of people screaming and yelling my name, right? Like the, there is a stark difference between the front nine and the back nine on that golf course. Was Saturday this year, was, did it sound and feel as different as, as TV made it appear it was? A hundred percent. That was Why? my, well, I mean, I think, I think COVID had a lot to do with it. That was my third year. Uh, so first year I played was pre COVID and it was, a show. I mean, I'd never seen, I made the cut, was playing good, never seen anything like it. Like Saturday, the waste management is absolute badness. And then last year they, they still have, I mean, they had a lot of the build out and they had a lot of people there, but it was just kind of, it didn't have the same fever. And I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff everywhere is relaxed and, and people just decided I think Augusta will be similar this year. Like, you know, people are, this is the first one back after COVID. I mean, it, let's just go. I mean, it, it I felt just, like everybody in America was there on that Saturday. It was truly, truly incredible. Just a thought. Don't, don't take your shirt off on 16 at Augusta. No, I, I'll, I'll say this. I've made plenty of bad decisions in, <laughs> in my day. I will not do that there. I might even button up a button there. I don't know. Whoa, we'll whoa, whoa. Let's whoa, not get whoa. crazy. Steve, Steve, let's tell probably him, tell not. him. Let's not get crazy now. <laughs> yeah, it, probably not. That might be taking it a touch too far, but. Now, here's the uh, thing, though. It, as fun as it is, and it was a blast to watch, and I'm, I have done, I've spent my career covering the game, and I appreciate, I appreciate traditions. I appreciate sort of the game and, and, and what comes with it. And I think you're also allowed to have an absolute blast and do it the way Phoenix does it. Turn the knob yeah. to 11 and go nuts for sure. But I, I do want to know this. When Ryder makes the one and it's just mayhem and there's garbage everywhere. Okay. When Ortiz makes the one, I get it. 
JT yeah. just JT holes out from behind the green garbage. You and Damon yeah. with your shirts off garbage. I, I, my and fear's not the right word, but I just I, at some point you it, it can't you can't just do that every third group, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's. I'm sure that there will be uh, discussions being had uh, in the next year about basically how to avoid that. And, and, you know, they might at now then right now they might be too far gone where it's unavoidable. So then you got to start banning Lord knows what, I mean, let's hope they don't ban beer on that hole. Well, that won't um, but you know, you're going to have to start making some different decisions about how to tame the hole or try to tame the hole. And look, yes, I was not expecting, I didn't do it for a damn beer shower for sure. I didn't really want to do it. I just did it as a, I guess, very spur of the moment thing and just lost control for three seconds of my life that I'll never, ever live down now. And look, yes, any, any, any publicity is good publicity, but it's going to get tiring hearing this at times. Um, I'm, I'm all for it for once. I mean, I couldn't imagine I think the whole place would have burned down if I was the one that made a hole in one. No offense to Carlos and Sam, but right. it damn near burned down when when they did too. Yeah, uh, I'm cool with that. The chipping in and, and if two guys are running around shirtless, maybe just leave those two guys alone and don't throw beers. But it is it can, it can get a little obviously unsafe. You know, there are people aren't paying attention to where they're throwing them. Uh, I mean, you know, they're just. They're enthralled in the moment, much like I was, and they're just chalking their beers. I mean, a lot of them seem like they were pretty damn full, too. Yeah. Uh, I might have to have to talk about, you know, finishing your beers up there. We'll see. We'll, I would imagine in, over the next year there will be discussions and, and something might be tweaked a little bit. I know I know of nothing, not, not at least yet, but, I mean, it was, again, I like, and, and you said you've experienced it, and to any listener that, has been and has experienced or hasn't been and seen it on TV and they have an idea about what it is. It's one of those things that if you hadn't been and you go, it's even more. You guys have been, you've seen it. You, you kind of understand it, but then put yourself in my shoes and be the one that is in there hitting golf shots. I mean, it is unlike anything. Maybe I don't even know that like first tee of Ryder Cup has more more nervous this like much. like more more nervous over that over that ball than than any other thing in your professional life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've had putts to win tournaments. You know, all this. Every, I mean, way more nervous. And it was, it is unreal. <laughs> and then yeah, just just the whole thing, man. It's yeah. I, my, I remember my first year thinking. And I started on 10 on Thursday, so you're going to get there quick. And my first thought on 10 was, all right, I'm going to try to make as many birdies in these six holes as I can just in case I screw up 16. You know, we're still, we still have a good round. And, of course, I parred 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I, bought, I dropped like a 40-footer on 15, and I had like a brief exhale. And I'm walking through the tunnel. I'm just like, hey, man, lock in here, man. This is it's just a golf shot. We're going to pick the right club. We're going to pick a good target. We're going to take a deep breath and we're going to make a swing. And we go through all this stuff. And then it's, it happens. It hits you so late right over the ball. You start shaking. And the only thought in your head is like, God, please hit the green, please hit the green, please hit the green, please hit the green. And you just hit it. I mean, it's, and I haven't even really tried. Like I, I just, now I know that if it's a nine iron, I just take a wedge. And I'm just like, I'm just going to hit it hard and I'm going to hit it right at the flag because that's the only thing that you can do on this hole. Just swing as hard as you can and aim right at the flag, even though you probably shouldn't ever aim at any of the pins on that hole, but screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. It is. And then you try to putt and you're shaking. And I mean, imagine trying to putt when they're screaming at you to take your damn shirt off. You didn't have your, you didn't have your putter in your hand much after that first, but when, when Minshew was with you, that putter was in the air. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, that was unreal. They they had texted me the the day before about wanting to meet him after the round. I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, if he's here and wants to meet me, sure. I mean, you know, he quarterbacked us. I'm an Eagles fan. He quarterbacked us to to a win this year, sure. Uh, and then I I'm finish up on 15. I made birdie, and I'm walking. I'm like, oh, that guy looks familiar. And then it's, hey, man, I'm Gardner. I'm going to follow you for the next couple holes. I'm like. 
okay, cool. And then next thing you know, there's cameras everywhere. And I'm just like shaking my head. It's like only, only in Phoenix, man, only in Phoenix. And then I hit, I did, I grabbed my pitching wedge and I hit it as hard as I could. And then it's funny. I, the, my first year there, I had, I hit it to the same spot. I had the same putt and credit to my brother. Um, we walk up there and we're just enjoying it, right? You hit the green, you can enjoy it. And now just don't leave it short. And then you can, it's still enjoyable, but hit the green. We're like, okay, good. Exhale. All right, here we go. You know, I hand him my ball, he cleans it, and he looks at me and go. And he's kind of got this smile on his face. He's like, man, there's no way you're missing this putt. And I looked at him and I go, yeah, I'm definitely going to make this, Al. And then that was that. You know, I was I was first to go, so I probably shouldn't have done the annex that I did as, as the first off to go. But, again, there's no rules on that hole. You just – if you do something crazy, you go crazy. You lose control. And I, I think I had 22 feet. And I remember the last five or six feet of it looking at it like, yeah, that's in. And I just threw my putter in there. I didn't even see the ball go in the hole. And it was, again, something similar to when I was, you know, lifting my shirt up. I'm looking at the last three feet of this putt. I throw my putter in the air, and I just look up at the crowd, and I'm thinking, like, oh, please go in, please go in. It all happened, like, please go in, please go in. And then they go nuts, and then that's that. Man, it's – I can't describe how crazy the hole is. It's just – it's unreal. How many nights do we make curfew in Phoenix? Oh, every night, man. I am. Okay. All right. Just I am. A, yeah, I'm a wimp. I had my mom there. My brother stayed with me. A, a friend of my mom's, my brother's girlfriend. Man, I was okay. home in bed before nine every night, but last night, and that was just, you know, the end of the week. It's, it's too draining. And then like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm there to work, you know, it's not, if I was there, as one of the people in the stands on 16, I don't know that I would have ever made curfew, but I'm not. I'm the one that they're screaming and yelling at. So I like to be, I like to be good at my job, obviously. Um, good man. So that requires a lot of water and a lot of sleep. We're going to let you get out of here because I know you got stuff to do. But there, Steve, there's some breaking news here. I've received a text from Cashmere Keith. <laughs> oh yeah, shocker. <laughs> Shocker. He's going to probably say it's not his fault. He owes me eight grand. No, no. Here's, here's, here's how this reads. He missed my bachelor party three ways. Private flight from Augusta, wrong passport oh, in Dallas, missed flight in Dallas, three consecutive days, no dice. The whole group said he would be removed from his exile if he did it. So I guess you're good. Shit, I completely forgot about that, but I guess I'm good again. Yeah, sounds like you're good to me. Sounds like you. Sounds like you're not getting. You're not getting eight grand, big rig. But you're out of exile from missing it. Now this leads to another question of how'd you miss your boys' bachelor party three different days, three different ways? But I feel like you've already been more than gracious with your time. Oh, I'm happy to tell it because there, you know, we we've had some issues with alarm clocks and. I sleep. I sleep really well, really well. The alarms don't really wake me up. I gotta, if I gotta get up for something early, I gotta throw my phone in the corner of the room so I can hear it and have to get out of bed. All right. That's. I don't. I mean, one day. I mean, that's three. Apparently, apparently, you had three shots at this, rig. Three. <laughs> well, shots. okay. So I, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it briefly. So I turned thirty the weekend before, and for my thirtieth birthday, I took my brother and my dad to Augusta and a member was kind enough to host us. And we played a couple days after my 30th birthday. Now this was on Tuesday. We played, we were going to fly out Wednesday and I was a quick turn and burn, uh, wake up Thursday morning. So fly home Wednesday, you know, basically just pack a swimsuit and flip flops. We were going down to the Bahamas for Keith's bachelor party. I'm all excited. Gung ho. Let's go, baby. And I, we were going down to Marsh Harbor. So the way to get there from Dallas is DFW to Miami early, like 5.30 in the morning. And if you miss that flight, there's one flight to Marsh Harbor. I mean, that's it. So if you miss the flight, you're done. You cannot get there that day. So I wake up, and I, I needed a new passport to get to Japan to play the Zozo this year. Well, and the tour just did it for me because they're – they treat us very well. And I didn't remember them giving back my old passport that had expired. So I wake up at three 30 in the morning and I drove myself to the airport. I mean, it's, 
obviously it's three thirty in the morning, but I, I had no cocktails before that night. Harry. And woke up. You got Harry. me still? I'm just saying, Harry. <laughs> no no, co- no cocktails? No. No None. Tito's? Zero. I missed two flights, no cocktails. All right. Um, so I wake up at 3.30, grab my passport, grab my little bag, I pack, drive to the airport, plenty of time. We're cruising. I cannot wait. I got to lay flat seat to Miami. I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to sleep the whole way there. I'm going to wake up, and then I'm going to probably have some cocktails on the, you know, getting ready for the flight down to Marsh Harbor. Sure. Well, I wait in line, and I mosey on up. Here, take my golf clubs. I'm going to carry on my luggage. I'm on the 5.30 flight to Miami. Here's my passport. And she looks at me and goes, sir, I mean, this passport's expired. I can't let you fly. And I look at her, and I look at the passport, and I go, yeah, you sure can. Okay, great. So turn around, and now I'm head spinning, and it's 4 in the morning. I mean, it's 4.15 in the morning trying to find ways to get there can't get there can't get there the biggest mistake that i made was i should have just gotten on a flight to miami later that day so that i didn't have to worry about getting up at 3 30 in the morning again and just woken up and taking the 11 a.m down to marsh harbor and i'm there i'm there a day late but sorry guys you know my bad no way i go home i wallow i just sit around all day i had a me day you know i i missed the flight but then i got a little me day just sat around I didn't drink at all, but I just sat on the couch and I probably watched some stupid, mindless, entertaining show and had some dinner and went to sleep at like nine o'clock. And I'm like, all right, well, I, now I know the program. I threw that old passport away. I'm ready to go. I set my alarm, you know, fall asleep. And I remember rolling over in bed and I was, I was awake and I roll over and I got a window on the right side of my bed and it's like, oh, it's light out. I mean, it's not three 30. So. Looks like I missed the second flight. (laughs) And then that's that. And then I come to find out the trip to Augusta that I took that I came home on Wednesday from, I could have just stayed there Wednesday night. They had a plane leaving from Augusta. There's a couple of his buddies that live there. They had a plane leaving from Augusta Thursday morning. So I think, I think it's his fault for not telling you about the private flight from Augusta. Yeah. Well, see, tell me, I just forgot. Oh, well, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I forgot. But here's, uh, so the, it, here's the good news, though. Fault. No, but no, 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 turn and burns, turn and burns. But here's the good news. Yeah, you you made a par on 16 Sunday at Phoenix. You you lifted the shirt. We'll wait to see if there's any fines. But I think it's worth it because now you're out of exile with the whole group text with uh, Kashmir Keith. Boom, done. I'm Bye. on Keith's good side again. And he still owes me at least eight grand. At so. least eight grand. I'd say sixteen. Um, I feel yeah, like I like sixteen SVP. I do. And he's he's got it. He's Cashmere Keith. He's got yeah, it. Yeah, Keith's like he's been playing some real good golf. Yeah, he's been he's been messing around with it. A real quick story on how I met him. I'm sitting at Augusta, and he came in, and I'd never met him, and I saw him. I said, "Hey, how'd you do? How'd you play, Keith?" He said, "I've shot shot seventy two. I said, ah, "A little of this, a little." He said, "I made seven birdies." And I said, wait, oh. I said, how the hell did you shoot 72? He made seven birdies. He said, I shot at every flag. He said, I'm not going to win from where I am anyway. He said, I just fired at every flag. He said, that's not how this golf course works, bro. He goes, now I know. He sat down and we, yeah. started, we started talking, started talking live music. And he and I have been text buddies ever since. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like Keith. Yeah. I got to figure out the sweet spot, though, with, te- with texting players that do well. Because you always want to be encouraging. But then I always fear if I send the text yeah. on, say, a Saturday night and you're in the mix and then it does it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like that guy needs to leave me alone until it's over. Right? Um, no, nah, we don't care. I mean, we're always going to try to do well. I'm not going to. Yeah. It's not your fault. I mean, you weren't hitting the shots. So I think True. we all like to. I think we all like to hear like do well and good luck and pulling for you. But like, we also really don't care. We trust me. We want to win and do well way more than you want us to win and do well, you know, kind of thing. I like, to so hear that. it's not my fault. Send away. Okay. All right. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Send away. If you, if you, if you're on the fringe, just send it. Just okay. Lessons learned here for all of us. I think, um, don't expect to see any more of Harry's nude body on a golf course. Uh, it's happened nope. once. It's uh, they were chanting his name. Uh, let's let's chant his name when he when he finds the winner's circle, which is coming. We know that the we know that that breakthrough win's coming soon. In the meantime, play good golf. 
And I appreciate you taking a few minutes to BS with us. It was a blast to watch Phoenix. You all were out there in the arena, man. But uh, I hope it was as much fun other than being stressed out on 16 as it was to watch. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It is, it is a crazy kind of fun, but it, it is always fun. And then it's always nice when that week is over <laughs> one, one time a year, a <laughs> little different at the riv, little different scene at the yeah. riv. Uh, yeah. There's like 15 people on the Hill this week at riv, just cheering yeah, gentle claps. What a you golf know? course though. That is enjoy it. Play well. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time, big fella. Awesome guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Our thanks to the big rig. He and Joel Damon just took it to the, absolute absurd level there with shirts off the hole in ones, the scene at Scottsdale. And then by the way, Steve, the tournament, an incredible tournament where Scotty Scheffler, he gets his breakthrough win. Um, It was a packed leaderboard. It was, it was, it was like the perfect event because the golf was great. If you like that, the circus was great. If you like the scene, the weather was perfect. Everything about it, the actual, the sneaky thing about that golf course is it's an excellent golf course for creating drama for just the people that like the golf. And I know there's people out there that are like rolling their eyes and didn't dig it. And yeah, there probably needs to be something where you just like, maybe we don't throw beer cans on the green every third group. Yeah. Maybe we ramp it back a skosh, but there's nothing like that event. And this year it was a whole other level. And then the tournament itself was great, but thanks to the big rig for stopping in. Thanks again to all the folks that we uh, said off the top from uh, our brief time in Los Angeles. It was a, it was a fun week. It's a fun no week. Doubt. Uh, and that'll do it for SV pod. We will see you all next week.